Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And what are we doing this week? This week we're covering 50s Hollywood and talking about Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already planning on making this tonight, so I'll just share this recipe. But I'm trying to compare it to the what we're talking about and actually now that I think about it it doesn't really compare at all um <laughs> it's pizza in a bowl oh is what I'm making so um you take just ground beef um a whole wheat pasta pizza sauce and all these other fixins and you put it in a bowl and it's supposed to kind of cut back on carbs so it's supposed to be a little bit healthier okay um, or maybe just less less carbs, so um, yeah. less spending, I guess. But you know, I'm trying it. I uh, I looked up a bunch of recipes for that are like under under 400 calories, and that was one of them. So nice, yeah. Pizza in a bowl. Pizza in a bowl. Okay. Well, yes. Um, you're probably wondering what Marilyn Monroe has to do with true crime at all. Um, but what a lot of people, well, maybe you do know this world, but there is this big conspiracy that her death was not, um, accidental or a suicide. Um, and we're kind of going to get into that conspiracy. So that's what we're doing today. To be Uh, completely honest, I actually don't even know that much about Marilyn Monroe. I just know that she's saying happy birthday. Yes, the president. Yep. Um, iconic moment. Yeah, and then I know the picture of her skirt blowing up in the wind. Um. Yeah. And then I also know the um. The fact that she was a little uh. Okay, she really wasn't even that big, but for the time, she was known as like more of a full figured woman. Mm-hmm. And she she had curves. She was a beautiful was a woman, woman, and she was the epitome of beauty. Yeah. And that's what I knew. Yeah. All of that is true. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give a little of her background and her career before we start the rest. Very excited. Um, so her name is actually Norma Jean Baker, and she was born in 1926 in L.A., And she spent a lot of time in 11 different foster homes and two orphanages growing up. Um, But she never liked to consider herself an orphan, though, because her mother was still alive, but was in a mental institution. So she couldn't take care of her for schizophrenia. Wow. Um, And unfortunately, she was sexually abused as a child in one of her foster homes. Um. And she got married at 16 because she thought it would, like, take her out of that life. But that first marriage did not last. Um, And she was working in a factory during World War II when she was spotted by a photographer who was taking pictures of the factory. And that started her career as a pinup model. And um, that modeling led to a contract with 20th Century Fox. And they said... You're going to change your name to Marilyn Monroe, and you're going to dye your hair platinum blonde, and we're going to make you this star. So. Wow. She did when, you know, you became an actress. If they were like, your name's not going to sell, they're going to change your name. Um, so they really just kind of created her. Yeah. It's not I mean, like they, she was yeah. the force pushing it. Mm-hmm. She wasn't naturally blonde. Um. They, I mean, Hollywood still does that. Like, Emma Stone, that's not her real name, the actress. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I think her real name, her real name is Emily, but they were like, Emma will sound cutesy or whatever, so. Hmm. And, anywho, um, back then in Hollywood, actors were signed to one film studio, so she's had a contract with 20th Century Fox, which meant she could only do movies with Fox. And the studio, like the managers and heads of the studio could control everything about an actor, what they would look like, 
how they would be perceived by the media, like what character they were going to portray. They picked all of your movies, what projects you would do. And if an actor said no to a movie, they would be suspended and could not act for a certain amount of time. So the studio really controlled like everything about you. So they just completely created this character of Marilyn Monroe. Um, Wow. Yeah. And she obviously became very, very famous. One of the most famous actresses of all time in a very short amount of time. Um, Everyone wanted to look like her and... She was this, you know, icon. Um, But a lot of people really thought she was kind of the same as her characters, which were usually like the dumb blonde character who talks in a whispery voice. And um, But she was a really fantastic actress. And uh, she always hated those characters and really tried to be like a serious actress. Um, But the studio, like, didn't want her to be that kind of person. They wanted her to be the funny, the funny girl. So I feel really bad that that's what her dream was. But, you know. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, the fact that, like, you want to be taken seriously and then you're just, like, made out to be a blonde bimbo. And I can say that as a blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anthony Summers, he was contacted by a newspaper editor in 1982. This is 20 years after her death. um, And was told that the DA in LA had reopened the case of her death. Um, She was said to have died from an overdose, accidental overdose, of sleeping pills. And the rumor started that she was killed, like, right from the, like, from day one. She was only 36 years old. Um, and it was just, it was very sudden death, obviously. And a lot of people thought somebody in the CIA had killed her. Um, so that's what the DA in 1982, uh, was looking into. And Anthony Summers was, um, on the case and he interviewed 1000 people and had 650 taped recordings from these people of, of these interviews of what they thought would happen if they thought she was really killed um things like that so so johnny hyde was a very successful hollywood agent and he just loved her and he left his wife for her um but he was at this time he was very very ill and had like 18 months to live um but he really is the one who made her a star because he really pushed her and um, really helped her out because, you know, Hollywood is all about connections. you got to know people. Right, right. Um, and one of the film directors, John, uh, I always want to say Huston because that's how it's spelled, but I think it's Houston. I don't know. Um, he said that Marilyn would really, really, like, dig deep into an, a role to find something of herself in it to make it more of a truthful character. And she was really, really dedicated um, to the art of acting. And every night after a whole day of work, she would go see her acting coach. And she always wanted to make sure she was like really good, wanted to be the best. That is very impressive. I mean, yeah. like that's a really good technique. Isn't that what actors are really supposed to do is try to relate to their character in some way so that they yeah. can portray them the best. Yeah. I I would hope so. I mean if you're playing like a really, really evil person, I don't know. But even you don't want to relate. But like there's so, there's gotta be something, you know. I think that there's even like even when actors are doing that, they still have to dig deep and find something. Maybe not all the evil part parts, but like the charming parts or, you know, Mm-hmm. like with yeah. Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy like he really had to right. pull himself into that character mm-hmm. so she was working very very hard but she also suffered from insomnia and she had a lot of sleeping pills um, and she also suffered from depression but the studio did not want to publicly treat her for it because of her image um, so they just were like, just keep taking the sleeping pills. They'll help calm you down. And everything will be fine. Um, not a good idea. Mm-mm. And the pills caused her to un- end up like oversleeping. And she would sometimes have breakdowns. 
And finally, she did find a psychiatrist to help her. His name was Dr. Ralph Greenson. Um, and they were friends until her death. And he thought that she had a tendency to paranoia, but not schizophrenia, like mm-hmm. her mother. Um, she was really terrified of rejection and she was desperate to like keep the public's love because she thought it could go out at any moment which in Hollywood you never know when your time's up you know yeah um so even though she was getting treatment with him she was still not allowed to go to hospitals for anything because they thought it would look bad and they wanted to also control what kind of medications she was on which that is so messed up it's so much that really is that like steps over the line from um being a boss to being like someone that is over control of your whole life yeah that it's too more than a job disgusting yeah so dr greenson thought it was best to treat her through talking and letting her spend time with his family because she felt or he felt she needed a stable family in her life to kind of, and since he didn't really, because of the studio constrictions, he thought, or restrictions, um, thought this was kind of the best way to go about it, that she needed like friends, actual friends in her life. And um, in the tapes with the Greenson family, Joan, who was the daughter, um, said that Marilyn talked about a guy she was seeing, but was too important to name. But she referred to him as the general. And that, the general, was a nickname in the Justice Department for Attorney General Robert Kennedy at the time. And this was in 1961. Mm -hmm. Um, There were already rumors about Marilyn and the president, JFK, circulating. Her affairs were highly public. She dated very famous men in the past. She was married to baseball player Joe DiMaggio, and they married after two years of dating. Um, But DiMaggio really couldn't handle being married to, like, the darling of the nation. He was a really jealous guy. And that iconic scene that you were talking about earlier from the movie The Seven-Year Itch, where she's standing over the street grate and it's blowing her white dress up everything mm-hmm. that's from that movie and when they were filming that there were 10,000 people on the street in New York City just like watching them film that scene 10,000 people watching oh. her skirt blow up and he was her husband Joe was very very upset with this um and her makeup artist for the film said that he beat her up for it and had the makeup artist had to cover all the bruises and everything for filming the next day and, Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's so they so divorced sad. after that. That's um, so sad that like the one of the most iconic things like that we it? know of of Marilyn Monroe got her beat for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's it's so like that picture is still like everywhere. Like you see her face everywhere and yeah. it w- turned into such a like regret for her that she did that scene, you know? Yep. But I mean, she, and when you watch that scene, like, I'm sure at the time period, that seemed so scandalous, but she's wearing, like, something like biker shorts under her dress. It's not, like, her straight, like, underwear, you know, but it still was, like. Oh. Yeah. People wear out anyway, without anything underneath it anyway. It still is, like, it was so sexy, you know, because her legs and her hips were showing and, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so after that, she married in 1956 Arthur Miller, who was a playwright of plays um, like Death of a Salesman and The Crucible. And they met when she was 29 and he was 40. And she thought he was so smart and like really intelligent. And she wanted more intelligent people in her life because she thought that would help her be taken more seriously and um they started their own production company together called Marilyn Monroe Productions because she really wanted to start having control of her own life and her own projects that she really actually cared about um and unfortunately though 
not too long into their marriage, she found notes that he had written about her that said things that he was like disappointed in her and she was just like his last wife and that she was a whore and that kind of like really destroyed her too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And she really wanted children so badly and she often said um, if it was a choice between fame and children, she'd pick children. But um, she lost multiple babies and never had a kid. She wasn't able to. Wow. Um, that's another devastating thing in your yeah. life. Yeah. Especially if you if you're saying if I could choose between the two, I would choose this and it's still yeah, not happening for not you. Happening. It's really sad and like just the trauma of having a miscarriage too is horrible. Mhm. Bad for her. Yeah. So she divorced Arthur Miller um and then It was a very emotional time. She was late for filming on some of her projects because, you know, she was having, like, mental breakdowns and abusive sleeping pills, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in January of 61, Kennedy is inaugurated. And a friend started saying around this time is when she started to get better from all of this. And she started, like, acting happier. And she was doing a lot better and a lot of people think that's when that relationship started um but one of her friends said that her relationship with jfk started way back in the 50s and that they were on and off regularly because he visited la a lot and back then when he was just around partying with like hollywood people nobody expected him to ever become president they saw him as some rich kid living it up in la um But then she also had a relationship with Robert Kennedy. Um, So it was very weird. It's like this constant back and forth between the two brothers. So she would stay with the Rat Pack, her friends, which was like Frank Sinatra and some other singers. And they would throw parties. And the Kennedy brothers were always at these parties. Mm. Um, And Jean Martin, who was Dean Martin's wife, the singer, Uh, claimed that at these parties sometimes the kennedys this is okay scandalous uh sometimes the kennedys wives would be in one room while they were having sex with other women in another room and they kind of learned this from their father like joe kennedy um who was quoted as saying to his children get laid as often as you want with as many women as you want so um great message for your young your young boys yeah so did the wives know that they were off in this other room apparently but like like an open relationship but probably on their end yeah god forbid if the wives did anything right no that would be big no no um and then joe kennedy had an office in hollywood that later became rko production company um And other producers in Hollywood would say, oh, yeah, there was always women in Joe Kennedy's office, like always having sex. Um, So it's like this big scandal about the Kennedys that kind of gets brushed under the carpet. But uh, there's these tapes from these interviews of all these producers and like everyone in Hollywood saying the same story that this would happen all the time. And nobody just it was just a thing. Like, wow if you're well, in hollywood yeah, like, obviously there's gonna be tons of sex right and then at the time it's not like he was president or anything so it's not yeah. scandalous until you become president i guess i mean right. it's scandalous but it's not everyone else's business kind of scandalous mm-hmm. and then marilyn went to see her friends the greensons and she would ask them all about political topics so that she could have things to talk about with the Kennedys when she would be around them because she wanted to kind of fit into that world. And she would write things down, like write notes about these kind of things. Um, And she was always seated with Bobby, Robert Kennedy. Um, And he would, they were seen together at dances and all through JFK's presidency. Apparently they were together. Um, and so Fred Otosh was an ex-cop who was the highest paid PI in Hollywood and found out all the Hollywood secrets. And he worked for Jimmy Hoffa, who 
was the leader of a trucker's union in the U.S. He was very corrupt, very powerful. He was big mob boss, like mafia, Jimmy Hoffa. Um, and Hoffa was targeted by Robert Kennedy. So Hoffa decided to go after him. Um, they were like big enemies. So Hoffa hired Fred Otash to make a derogatory profile on the Kennedys, specifically with Marilyn Monroe. Like, to expose all of what they were doing with her, like, having sex with her, like, all of that. So, now the mob is after her. And this uh, ex-cop, who is now a PI, um, he wired Marilyn's home. And she had just started filming Something's Got to Give at this point. Things were going better for her, and she has no idea that she's now a target from the mob just to get back at the Kennedys. Um, she has no idea. Because why would you think that right. about life? Right. Um, so the bu- the bugs were installed in her bedrooms and on all of the phones in her house. And these conversations were recorded, and John Danoff, who is another P.I., uh, found these tapes and most of a lot of them were of Marilyn and JFK and like their conversations like when they would meet up their like rendezvous and there were even recordings of Marilyn Monroe and JFK having sex in the beach house that they would go visit so these are found recordings um, wow and neither of them have any idea that they were even being recorded. Um, and Bobby Kennedy was also at her house many times. And she mostly had a relationship with him. But like I said, it was kind of like the three of them. Uh, on and off, like from times to times. So it, it's very odd, like very odd situation. But, it seems like they viewed sex very differently. Like, yeah. I mean, especially as brothers, I feel like they probably just objectified women and didn't really see them as actual people. And since it's Marilyn Monroe, this sex figure, they just didn't even consider her to be. They just considered her like free game or something. I don't know. Yeah, like she's an actress, not a real person or whatever. You know. Right. Yeah. Um. So Anthony Summers, this detective, found an actual F or he's a journalist, but he found an FBI file on Marilyn Monroe that had security matters, national intelligence, and a subject line that said Marilyn Monroe SMC, which meant security matter communist. So the FBI had been watching her ever since she married Arthur Miller because he was a known communist. So they were like, oh. she's probably one too. We ne- And this is during the Cold War. All of that was... Like, the fear of communism, fear of nuclear war, the crisis in Cuba, all of that was going on. So, she had now become a target of the mob and the FBI. <laughs> she was trying to live life. She ha- literally, this woman is just, like, trying to live her life, act, you know, make herself more intelligent by being around, like, politicians and having a fun time. Doesn't know that she's now a threat to the nation, secretly. <laughs> Or they think she is. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, just you sitting on your couch right now. The FBI is like, yep. You just watched a movie about communism. You're a communist. Obviously. Yeah. I Just having no idea that they're watching you and yeah, keeping tabs on you. So. So embarrassing. Wait, let me just. Mm -hmm. That would be so embarrassing if the FBI had a file on me. Casey Taves. (laughs) chickens <laughs> like <laughs> what does Casey do on her day-to-day life um practice her stitch voice <laughs> she alone practice her stitch voice I swear I had it I I could do it and I practiced it and I was like oh my gosh I have to record this and show Emily <laughs> and so then I tried to do the stitch voice again and I couldn't here let me try the stitch voice again okay I'm lost. <laughs> Sounds more like Kermit. I'm lost. I'm lost. 
I'm lost. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm lost. I'm lost. Oh, wait. I'm getting close. <laughs> I'm getting close. I'm lost. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that was so okay. good. Yeah, one page, two lines. Likes chickens, sucks at speaking like speech. <laughs> oh, like a goat. I can bow like a goat. That I do have that going for me. Oh yeah, you can. But do it. Okay. Well, I'll do Stuart really quick. Okay. I'm trying not to wake up my baby, so I'll be yeah. quiet. <laughs> 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 You're so talented. God. Well, I mean, all. I know. I don't know how I'm not like Marilyn Monroe. Literally. My hair is naturally blonde, so I got that going for me. You do. <laughs> You're a star. Oh, gosh. This is this is Casey's audition tape for Hollywood. Hire her. Hello, Hello Hollywood. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. Let's get back. Okay. Me. <laughs> um... So documents that were found later um, from the FBI show agents following her when she took a trip to Mexico to see some friends. Um, And these friends were American communists who were kicked out of the USA, which is why they were living in Mexico. So this is another big no-no for them. They're like, oh, now she's going to go visit people who have been excommunicated from the U.S. Um, Not looking good. So obviously this is where those big conspiracies come from that she was killed for this or possibly she was killed as a hit um, from Jimmy Hoffa, uh, which we'll go into more. And she was quoted. um, There are recordings of her talking to one of these people. His name was Fred Vanderbilt Field about a conversation about Bobby Kennedy and his politics in the U.S. So... Because of this conversation, the FBI was very concerned. Um, She's now talking about the Kennedys specifically to these outsiders and um, that she's this big star and she gets interviewed all the time. She's going to slip up. She's going to say things. And she talks to her therapist every day. She's surely going to be giving away national secrets to her therapist and like in her interviews and stuff. Um, and they were very concerned that just over the phone, she was casually like talking about politics and talking about being with the Kennedys. And they thought that should be a big secret. They didn't like that. She was openly talking about those things. I see. Um, yeah. That and, yep. So Marilyn sang happy birthday for the president two months before she died. Um, and it was this big. Yeah. It was this big thing, like even you mentioned it. It's one of the things she's most known for because everyone thought, like, why is she singing it so sexily? Like, do they have a relationship? And it mm-hmm. it like fueled those rumors that they were together, and the government did not love that either. Um, and then two documents were found um, from July thirteenth, nineteen sixty-two. An informant quoted her as saying. Um, that she had lunch with President Kennedy and that they discussed the morality of atomic testing and she was described as being positively leftist. So I'm not sure what exactly that means, but I think obviously they didn't like, the government didn't like it at the time. So it wasn't in her favor, whatever leftist was at that time, you know? Yeah. Um. And uh, Robert Kennedy was also documented with being with her in California at that um, time and then going over to Nevada to watch a nuclear weapons test. And they were just like casually talking about it. Um, And at this time, Fidel Castro had just asked the Soviet Union for help with missiles. So it was like this hot topic of the country. It was like the number one national fear at the time. So obviously they're making themselves targets unknowingly just by Mm -hmm. talking about it and then one month before she died 
the Kennedys were advised by their legal teams and by the government and everything to not be seen with her anymore and to not talk to her anymore. Um, she was directly told by Robert Kennedy to never call or contact him again. And then JFK just never, ever just totally ghosted her. Didn't say like, hey, don't talk to me again. Just never called completely. So all this actually happened? Yeah. Yeah, these are like real documents for the FBI, real conversations that are like recorded and everything. Um, Crazy. And this is when she kind of starts her decline again, because she just all of a sudden two very good friends just like up and ditch her and with seemingly no explanation. And they're giving the impression like, oh, you're not good enough for us anymore. And that was something she like always feared. Yeah. Starts slipping into this depression again. And on August 5th, 1962, which is just one month later, she was found dead in her bed, holding in one hand a telephone that was off the hook. And there was a bottle of sleeping pills near her bed. And her death at the time was listed as probable suicide, which I think is probable because she was a very depressed woman who had mm-hmm. just been, like, rejected again, and she was taking those sleeping pills. So I'm not saying it's not possible, but obviously, with everything that was going on, there's also the conspiracies. Yeah. Um. So Mrs. Murray, who was her housekeeper, and Dr. Greenson both said that at 8 p.m., Marilyn went in her bedroom and closed the door. But Mrs. Murray saw the light on at 3 a.m., and the door was locked. So she called Dr. Greenson and he drove over and he looked over in her window and said he saw her laying there. And so um, he broke in to get to her and um, they said that they called the police at 425 in the morning. Um, But it was found out later that... um, The widow of Marilyn Monroe's publicist, Natalie Jacobs, said Mm -hmm. that she and her husband were at the Hollywood Bowl for a concert that evening. And when they were at the bowl around 10 o'clock, 10 p.m., they were told of the news of Marilyn's death and they had to leave the concert immediately to go to her house. So these timelines are not matching up. Yeah. Uh, And Natalie... Jacobs, the publicist's wife, swears that the housekeeper's story is not true because her husband was at Marilyn's house by 11 p.m. that night. So um, it couldn't be possible that she was found dead at 3 a.m. because people had already discovered her and were at her house by 11 p.m. What an obvious lie. Yeah. It's weird. And like, and that why would she be? Was she coerced to tell that lie? But that's such a bizarre. I was even thinking like that story didn't make sense anyway. Like, so what? You see her, her light is on at three a.m. She's awake at three a.m. Like, yeah, she's, no, she's she insomnia. Insomnia. Yeah. yeah, like that's known. And what are you doing at three a.m.? Go to sleep. Exactly. Got- like, what is she doing? Walking around and being up and whatever. Being um, busy and like yeah that's just bizarre to me and then enough to call someone to say hey can you come over here i don't know mm-hmm. it's just weird to me yeah and natalie jacobs also cl- says that her husband her Maryland's publicist absolutely budged everything off is her quote um because it was his job to keep things under wraps about Marilyn from the public. So she swears that it was the times and everything were intentionally changed, but she doesn't know why. Um, because she was never told by her husband. Um, and a worker for Jacobs also has documentation of him saying, I went to Marilyn's house at 11 o'clock that night. So there's all this documentation that people were there way before 3 a.m. when the housekeeper was said to have found her. Um, And the DA, district attorney of L.A., 
had been contacted by a former ambulance driver. And in this recorded conversation, um, the DA asks, did you see Monroe's body? And the driver says yes, and that she was still alive when they found her. And they took her in an ambulance to the hospital. So now it's this whole thing. She wasn't even found dead. She was found alive that night. And um, Walt Schaefer, who is the owner of that ambulance company, on the tapes admits that this is what happened. The ambulance was called during the night to take her to Santa Monica Emergency. And she was alive, but somewhat comatose. And there were seven members of the ambulance team that backed that story up, that she was actually carried into the hospital. And, um, but she had died in the ambulance. So they took her back to her house. Who does that? That is not a normal procedure. That is that's, not. That's not normal at all. What? No, no. And Dr. Greenson later admitted, yes, there was an ambulance and I went in the ambulance with her and, but I can't talk about these things. I can't burden anyone with this information. So it's uh, this huge, weird thing going on. And Harry Hall, who was an informant, says that a federal agent from the FBI told him that Bobby Kennedy was in town the weekend she died in LA and Natalie Jacobs confirmed yes he was definitely at a party with them that night and um there's another person Reed Wilson who was in government and business um he ran one of the most effective discreet eavesdropping operatives in the U.S. so um he found tapes of Bobby Kennedy calling Marilyn Monroe the night of her death and they got into a huge argument. Um, yeah. And she said on these conversation, recorded conversations, don't bother me, stay out of my life, and like things that she felt used by them. And she just didn't want to talk to them anymore because they had just completely betrayed her. And she even called the White House that night to complain about the situation, saying like, they shouldn't <sighs> be calling me anymore and things like that. So... That's not someone that wants to commit suicide. No, like, that's like somebody who's like, hey, I I don't want contact for my mental health. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah. You're trying. That's somebody. That's so. That would be so bizarre if she then went and commit suicide. I mean, I mean, it's definitely still possible, but it's just mm-hmm. like for her to be planning the future like that, where she's like, OK, yeah. Hey, please don't call me anymore. I really don't want that you know like i want yeah. i want to be left alone so it's like that's thinking of like okay from now on i want to be left alone from them you know mm-hmm. yeah that's like thinking of in the future right yeah um so eunice murray who was a housekeeper for the kennedys claims bobby kennedy was definitely at Marilyn's house the day that argument occurred and the bodyguards his bodyguards had to step in and separate them because she was getting so upset. And um, Harry Hall called Wait, this. I'm confused. Okay. Whose bodyguards had to step in? Bobby Kennedy's bodyguards. 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 Between who? Marilyn and him. Weren't they over the phone? So they were over the phone that night. And then it was oh. found out that he had actually visited her during the okay. day. I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah, okay. sorry. It is, it's kind of confusing. Um, so then it was found in a pilot's log that um, a helicopter had taken Robert Kennedy out to California that night. Um, and then around 2 a.m., he was flown out of California. And he received a message. The pilot received a message from Kennedy saying, I would appreciate this story not running, and it was never published, that a helicopter had taken him in and out of California in a single night. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. So, Reed Wilson, who was an, one of the surveillance people, uh, was asked to clear Marilyn's house of any information that could compromise the Kennedys. 
the Kennedys were convinced that there were diaries or photos of them in her house. So to this day, there is only one surviving photograph of Marilyn with the Kennedys. And it was after the party when she sang happy birthday to him. It was like her standing between the two of them in the dress she wore when she sang happy birthday. And that is the only wow. picture that exists. Um, the huh. FBI seized all other photos from all of the agencies and all of the Hollywood studios. And they took all of the recordings. Um, and it was an immediate, like, immediate hush-hush job as soon as she died. And... Um, Jim Doyle, who was an FBI agent at the time, said they were immediately given instructions from somebody really high up, like higher than Hoover, even, who was um, in charge of the FBI. And the only people higher than Hoover in the government is the attorney general or the president himself. So, nah, it's looking sus, right? Yes, so, Absolutely. The housekeeper was also seen to be washing sheets, washing the sheets she died on, like, immediately as soon as she died. And the coroner who saw her later said he signed the death certificate under duress, but he didn't specify what the situation or the circumstance was of why he would sign something under duress. Um, there was also a lack of pill capsules found in her body in the autopsy. Which is surprising, given she supposedly died of an overdose. And there was also a bruise found on her that was not explained. Um, her will and all of her other documents were stuffed into shopping bags that same night and taken from, er, taken from her house within 48 hours of her dying. Um, which all of this is just very, very strange. Like, it's not normal, obviously. It's well, I don't know. Would you, like, stuff documents like that in a shopping bag and just take them away after someone dies? Especially as soon as somebody dies, like, I don't know. It just seems like a cleanup job. Yeah. Um, so some people believe that she knew about this plot against her and accidentally overdosed or, um... And threatened to go public about it, and she was silenced for it. Some say it was still a hit by Hoffa. Um, but there are multiple theories about it. And I think there was uh, definitely something weird. But I, I don't think she was murdered. But I think... I don't know. I don't know what I think. Because that's all we know. But I don't know. That's yeah. weird. I almost think that she was murdered because when like when someone is has been taking sleeping pills for so long mm-hmm. and then like they kind of build up a tolerance to it so it's like she could probably handle quite a few sleeping pills before it would kill her yeah and then the fact that they didn't find all that many pills in her system is mm-hmm. is confusing cuz yeah. i would think that someone that's known to abuse them quite a bit yeah would, would tolerate quite a bit um, so that's mm-hmm. one thing. Also, um, the fact that she was having arguments with Bobby Kennedy is very sketchy. Yeah. The fact that he flew out there and then came back in the same night and, and wanted it completely off the record is very worrisome. Mm-hmm. Makes me think that, like, he yeah. was trying to... Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think that he wanted her killed. Yeah. I think, like, at the very least, something happened and he was definitely there. And they wanted to cover up that he was there when something happened, you know? Oh, you think so? Yeah. Like, even if she, like, even if she did, like, overdose or something, I think he was there when it happened and they just didn't want his involvement with it at all. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking... I was thinking that he overstepped his boundaries and they basically said like, hey, you need to cut off contact with her. She knows too much. You mm-hmm. need to stop talking to her. And by him trying to go and um, and talk to her again, even though I think that what I think that he was probably in love with her 
and he wanted to continue to um be with her and he was kind of like and she had rejected him but even though even still he broke the con the he he made contact with her and then so the whoever the government was like nope mm-hmm. you can't you can't cut this woman out of your life completely she's a blabbermouth she's gonna tell other people nope that's it she's yeah done. so no matter what the situation was i think there was definitely things covered up for sure yeah but unfortunately we'll probably never know because it's so hush hush right i just think i think the fact that we know so much now is shocking because um there's so many records out there that she had been surveilled and that like even the fbi documents on her too that that's even released is just kind of shocking yeah Mm-hmm. I was gonna, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say the same exact thing. Right. I mean, who knows, like, what they, what information we're being, like, that's being kept from us from the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. Yeah. So I just have always thought this case, like, I was aware of it vaguely that there was like rumors but i didn't know it went so deep that like it was the mafia and that the fbi actually had a profile on her and stuff like that um so it's definitely crazy it's like not something you would really think of when you think of her no i didn't realize she died so young yeah that's why she remained such an icon i think Mm -hmm. and like she looks young always because she was young mm-hmm. yep she's forever young now in everyone's minds you know she, she never grew old so yeah and especially like even though it, she hated it and it was a really horrible thing for her like i think that the fact that she never had kids also kind of kept her like as this this different figure in other people's eyes yeah as, like a sex icon exactly she was never seen as like motherly or anything that she was right the sex queen of hollywood right yeah this is so sad that like and it didn't sound like that's what she wanted Mm -hmm. um that's just nuts that you get involved with the wrong people and like it's i mean i guess i don't really know people of the 50s all too all that well but like hanging out with frank sinatra and then um politicians Mm -hmm. she like you said she tried to surround herself with good people and smart people yeah i mean frank i i don't imagine i don't know too much about frank sinatra so i might not be um the best one to speak on this but he's kind of an asshole was he he was not in the like evil sense but he was very very arrogant and thought he was like number one person always no way yeah oh see i didn't even think that about him very interesting You know, we think that the world has changed so much and people have evolved so much and they haven't. No. You know, it's really. comparing 2022 to the 50s. Yeah. But still, things have not really changed. People haven't changed and men are still pigs. <laughs> not all men, but, but, a lot but of men. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood still be dirty. So they'll be dirty. Oh my gosh. When this comes out, I'm definitely going to take notes on it and we're going to talk about it. Do you know this whole arm? Speaking of Hollywood scandal, do you know this whole army hammer thing? Um, I've heard a little bit about it. Okay. And Robert Downey Jr. Like had him stay in his house, right? Like, weren't they friends? Uh, oh, I haven't seen that, but. Oh my god, maybe. I'll look into that too, because I think that they're actually friends and like Robert Downey Jr. like has supported him in the past. Oh gosh. With everything that's going on. Yeah. There's like there's a documentary about their whole household called House of Hammer coming out, and I'm gonna watch it. I'm very because like I'm I saw like TikToks Army Hammer is now working as like a timeshare person on some island. Like he's totally out of he was if anyone doesn't know, he's an actor who was like it was revealed that his whole family's kind of like has a cannibalism kink. So, 
um, and a lot of other dirty things. So I'm fascinated to see that. <laughs> ah, so bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah, something's unhinged. So, and... Something's got to be unhinged, and that is like the taboo of all taboos. It is. It is, and that's probably what the kink is. <laughs> that's why it's a kink. <sighs> Disgusting. But um, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm very interested. Yeah, I want to watch that. Maybe that's one of the things that we'll do where we both watch the documentary and then talk about it. Yeah, it comes out September 2nd, so. Oh, it's coming up. Mm-hmm. And your birthday's coming up. It is. Two more days. A couple days. Oh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, three more days. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Emily. You said a couple days? No, nope, yeah. you're wrong fake birthday oh. um every year i wish emily a bir- uh, happy birthday the day before her birthday <laughs> because i swear we've talked about this before i swear we have but... one time when we were little like we were probably like second or third grade emily calls me at my house and uh we're just talking chatting on the phone talking about how school's gonna start soon <laughs> and then she goes don't you have something to say to me and I'm like, what? And she's like, do you know what day it is? And I'm like, happy birthday. And then she goes, she goes, yeah. Ah. No. And she's like, no one's wished me a happy birthday. And then I look, or like I asked my mom, like, what the date was. I was like, I thought you told me your birthday was on August 14th. You go, yeah. And I'm like, it's August 13th. <laughs> but like, hadn't you like told your whole family it was your birthday and they like no I was so salty because like I was I woke up that morning convinced it was my birthday (laughs) and I go upstairs or I come out of my room and like my whole family doesn't say anything to me I was like what is this like everyone's ignoring me (laughs) (laughs) I thought that they made you like a pancake breakfast didn't you say and then 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 yeah my mom (laughs) later like an hour or so after I've already been awake, she was like, oh my God, it's your birthday. So she was fueling my fire. I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. It is my birthday. But then it turned out it was not my birthday. <laughs> I wonder if my mom remembers. I mean, I've sw- I, we talk about this story all the time. Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to get a text from your mom saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all um, right. Oh, on that funny note, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. (laughs) And you just heard a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder.